What's up, guys? This is your not so classified millennial survival guy with your host, Dalton. Hey, and your other host, Katie. Let's get ready to rock and roll. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of your not so classified millennial survival guide. We're going to tackle that post college life today, right, Katie? I mean, every episode is the post college life, but today specifically, we're focusing on the job life. That job life. Oh, it's a grand one. That it is. And for each person, it's a little bit different. Hey, we're here to help you guys with some tips and tricks on um, getting your foot into the job world while you're in the job world and stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've both we've both been out for about a year now or a little bit over it. And uh, we we definitely know what it's like to go through the struggles of trying to get a job, you know, applying for jobs. And then uh, we know what it's like to be in the job world as well and, and have our fair share of ups and downs and funny stories along the way. That is definitely, definitely true. After being a year in the job world, there are some things that I wish people helped me out with a little bit more and some things that I've learned along the way that I'm happy I did prior. So we're hoping that we're able to share with you guys today some of those tips and tricks that you guys can use on your future resumes and jobs and when you enter the real world. Yeah, so let's uh, let's dive right into it. You know, I think uh, one thing I hope most of our listeners who are out of college by now already have figured out is the whole uh, the whole resume thing. But you know, for maybe some of our listeners that aren't quite out of college yet, um, we're we're going to get into a little bit of tips and tricks on how we've built our resumes, and you know, maybe some things that we can do along the way to help you guys improve upon those. No, absolutely. Your resume is like the utmost important thing because it's basically, as we'll put it in modern terms, your the first photo they see on your Tinder profile page. If you're looking for a date, it's the risky or the risky text you send the person you like because at the end of the day, it's one thing that has to speak all for itself to capture your employer's attention and. I've seen people be criticized for their resumes and I've seen people be praised for their resumes. And to make it clear, like we are not resume experts. We no. have resumes and we have definitely sought out help on how to improve our resumes and make them bigger. Even now that we're both employed, because the one thing you should constantly be doing if you have a job is updating your resume. I teacher once told me in, high school that you should be updating your resume every three months because every yeah, three no, months you're learning new skills, new people, and you're also expanding the current job you're at. I think a, a big thing you said there, Katie, too, was just, um, you know, always be looking for help on your resumes. Uh, when you are in college, there's uh, a dime a dozen of faculty and, you know, people who will help you build resumes within your college atmosphere. And every college has plenty of places to go find that help to, to, to kind of get you off the ground um, that have a lot more expertise than we do. <laughs> no, absolutely. And like, speaking of help, like one thing, like, as I said, like Dalton and I have architectural backgrounds, Dalton in architecture and me in interior design, as we've already stated, we are not the experts of it. And neither are your friends. No, but I think, I think we, nor are how, your um, parents. Yeah, we both understand how we've built them. And I think coming from a design background, you know, we've taken it upon ourselves, a, a lot of us anyway. And I know uh, you had sought out a little bit of like professional resume building point in your college career. But, you know, a lot of us uh, in the design profession kind of build our own to make our own trademark look for our own resumes. And I think that's huge for everyone is making a resume that truly speaks about who you are as a person um, and bring that little unique flair to your resume. Cause it is one of the first things employers do see about you. Yeah. As Dawn says, like your resume speaks for yourself. So not only should your resume represent you, but it should also represent the job you're applying for. If you are a teacher, you should not be asking your friend who is an artist how to build a resume, like talk to other teachers. And as Dalton has stated, 
I have done it. Other people have done it that I've known, including my parents. It is okay to like go to a website and get professional help and pay to build a resume because a lot of the time we don't, you don't know. Like I didn't know what a resume looked like, a professional resume when they're like, you need a professional resume. My mom's like, this is mine, but I'm a nurse. So yours isn't going to look like mine. <laughs> right. And my dad's like, I'm in contracting. Yours isn't going to look like mine. And my two parents looked completely different. I didn't have anyone in my family that was an architect or an interior designer or interior architect. So I didn't have like that resume. So I definitely like went online and looked at other interior design resumes to kind of get an idea of what I wanted and was able to build my first resume online to kind of show what was important and what wasn't important. Because one mistake that I have seen a lot of people make is overcrowding their resume with information that the employer could care less about. Oh, exactly. I think, and and this kind of goes back to the age old thing that I've always been told is, you know, uh, your resume while you can, if you can, should only be about a page long if you can make that happen. And I think it kind of goes back to just centering your focus on what jobs have you had in the past that truly speak, you know, words or volumes for you for the job you're applying for. Like if I mean, you're going, is- if you're going right out of college and looking for a truly professional job, then you're not going to put that you babysitted back in like sophomore year high. School. I mean- you're just not ever do that. This is where I'm going to agree to disagree with you. Like, it is okay if your resume does go over a page. Like, my resume is two pages long because I did do a lot of things in college and in high school that I did win a lot of awards that pertain to my job. But as Dalton stated, again, your resume should reflect on the job that you did. Like, babysitting really doesn't reflect on who, like, what you are. Like, if you're a teacher, like, okay, like, maybe include it, but only if you maybe babysat the person from when they were, like, two to when their parents are like okay they're old enough for them to like stay on their own at like i don't know 10 11 however old that is but you should also like it's okay like you if you had 15 retail jobs only include like the most recent two yep. or maybe the one that was the longest but it didn't continue because the job closed down like whatever it is and try to also include the jobs that you left with a good finish going into the professional world to start off with like if you left say cold stone creamery on a bad note i wouldn't put them down as a reference or a place that you worked because chances are they're going to call them up and say hey do you know so and so and they're going to be like yeah they were the worst worker ever they left without giving a notice they quit x y and z whatever it may be like you want to put yourself in a good situation yeah you you definitely need to be selective of the jobs that you are putting onto your resume, whether it reflects, you know, um, something you've had experience wise that, you know, you know, would help you in the job that you're applying for, or just jobs that you left in good standing. It's, um, you know, if it applies in a professional world and you left in good standing, then by all means, put it on there. But if it's anything that's going to give you a bad look or a bad notion in the wrong direction, then be just a little wary about it and be just kind of you know, aware of your past when, when putting jobs and references on, on, on applications like that. Yeah. And customer service does count as an important part of your job because you need to have human interaction for any job you work, whether it's you do work in sales or customer service or even interacting with coworkers. But back to what Dalton said about references, that I find the most important and probably one of the areas where a lot of people fall short on please if you have a reference make sure you let them know that they are your reference Mm -hmm. and that you are applying to jobs whether it's just like an email is like hey you told me i can be your reference but as a heads up like i'm applying to a new job i know i've been like at my current job for three years but i'm gonna start applying to a new job so that way not if, it's when the job <laughs> calls your reference, they're able to sit there and say, yes, I know Dalton. He was a good person. Like these are his strong qualities that he has. And right. the person doesn't call up and go, Dalton who? Like, 
please, please let your references know. That's the biggest thing. I, I was, um, I worked for a, uh, I won't name the name, but I named, uh, I worked for a retailer in an outlet store for about five or six years, uh, towards the end of high school and a little bit through college. Um, and actually, uh, was on the hiring team at one point and it was hilarious to me at many points throughout the hiring process that I would call people's references because uh, we had to. And the the kind of like stone cold um, who that I got on the other end of the line a few times. And we never even got close to hiring that person. Um, it just is complete and utter lack of preparation and lack of actually giving a shit about the job. Yeah, just because like, and then also like, it's really important to like, I know for me personally, like, especially being fresh out of college, like I made sure I retained a good relationship with a teacher who I knew was going to speak highly of me, like not just of me as a student, but as my character as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that teacher I'm still in touch with and they're like a great influence on me. Um, they, I'm able to go to them for advice and such. But another like really important thing, like your references like also should reflect who you are. Like don't put your family friend that's known you for seven years, like clearly they're gonna speak well of you. Like <laughs> put past employers that you have a good relationship or even past employees. Yep. Like maybe it's not like the head manager at the retail store, but maybe it was like a higher up that was able to run the store maybe with the head manager had a meeting or had to step out for coffee or family emergency like put someone like that who's like yeah they're able to do their job and like they know what to do but it's it's important to have like references um what's the next part on a resume <laughs> your cover letter right did you have a bio on your resume by chance so i kind of packaged my i guess you could say cover letter into the bio if that makes sense. A little um, bit. A little bit. So I used my cover letter as an opportunity to A, say who I was, why I was fit for the job, and why I wanted the job or something like that. Um, honestly, haven't looked at my cover letter in a while, so that could be close but not 100% to what I used it for. But I do know my bio was in my cover letter. So I know for like me personally, I had a cover letter and a bio separately because a lot of the times like your cover letter is a lot, it's, it's wordy. So a lot of people are going to look at your resume before they read your cover letter to see if you're even one qualified for the job or if they're interested in hiring you. Mm -hmm. So like my did a bio that just kind of just stood out like, you know, my qualities that I thought people in the workforce should know about me that maybe wasn't able to be shown on my resume. And I kind of just showed I'm a hard worker, like I'm dedicated X, Y, and Z. But like one thing that like I do stress a lot, and I've used this rule for even writing like regular essays in English class or whatever class I had to write an essay for, your cover letter should not be this wordy thing that goes on. As I once had an English teacher in high school tell us, any essay you write should be like a girl's skirt. Short enough, that it's interesting but long enough that it covers the subject <laughs> and that's just because at the end of the day if you're applying to a job there's a good chance 90 other people are applying to that job no like recruiter hire boss whatever is going to read a six-page cover letter that may be some of the best advice i've ever been given and i'm gonna remember that forever that is phenomenal so just one more time for people who may, might not have heard that on the first go around. How long should a cover letter be? So think of it like a girl's shirt. Uh, sorry, not a girl's shirt, a girl's skirt. Or both. And this, sh no, it's a skirt, dude. Get it right or you're going to have the wrong cover letter. <laughs> so should be like a girl's skirt. Long enough that it covers the subject, but short enough that it's interesting. And this is just to like captivate your reader. Your essay, your cover letter is literally should be able to answer the basic questions, but your but the person who should be reading it should say, "Okay, I like where this is going. I want to know more. Let's bring him in for an interview." Mm -hmm. And that that's what your cover letter is meant to do. 
Like your resume is supposed to kind of like get the person to read the cover letter and your cover letter is supposed to get you there. Right. No, I agree 110%. So yeah, I think that's uh that's our synopsis on the whole on the whole resume building, you know. It's it's tough, it's tricky, it's time consuming, there's no doubt about that. But it's worth it in the end because you need to make something that makes yourself stand out. Plain and simple. Not even that. You need it for any job, whether you're going to be a camp counselor, a teacher, a therapist, an architect. No job is going to hire you without a resume. Like whether you created on Word really quickly, or you paid for it, or you sat down in your career builder. Um, I don't even know like what it's called, like office at your college and built your resume like that they thought best suited you. Mm -hmm. You need a resume. And I do recommend you use as many sources as you can. If you're a doctor and you know a doctor, talk to them. If like you're like a nurse and you know a nurse, like talk to them. I like you, my mom's on the, my mom's a nurse. She's on the hiring committee at where she works. And I can't even tell you how many times like she gets so aggravated at people when they come in with their resumes and information that like she doesn't need. I remember she told me one person came in and brought a whole research paper for her. And my mom was super happy that they brought a research paper in, but she works on the cardiac unit and it was like a research paper on like heart. Didn't pertain to like the unit the girl was applying to. Like you have to be specific yeah i I think it just it it all boils down to making sure you've done your research too as far as what you should be putting on there plain and simple yeah also like review the job you're applying to like if you're applying to a place that works with stone don't write your entire cover letter and how you're going to fit in so well because you're obsessed with wood Mm-hmm. they're very different things like make sure you know the job you're going you're applying to but also make sure like you know what you're able to do because if your resume does get you into the door you want to be able to sit down in front of whoever is d- conducting or directing the interview and be able to say like i know this company because i want to work here mm-hmm. not because i need a job and i need some money like my time's running up Oh, exactly. You need to be able to like represent yourself as well. Now, like speaking of, of jobs and, and getting interviews and stuff like that, you know, what, what are, what are some ways you think are, are best websites to start applying for these jobs? You know, and is, is it, is it fine to, to maybe just find one website or did you have a few that you were like looking on websites? I know for me personally, like I kind of, did a lot of things like if I knew a job was applying like a job was open in like my area or near my area I just kind of went to their website and contacted them and was like here you go here's my resume here's my cover letter like have a great day like if I don't hear back from you it's not the end of the world if I do awesome um and then I also use LinkedIn a lot I did use Indeed I built an Indeed profile because that's a that's a whole another topic we'll touch on a little bit later Right. Um, in the podcast, but I did build an Indeed resume. I used Monster too. I even just Googled and even just like word of mouth, like, oh, you're an architect. Do you have any like interior architect positions open? Some looking for like CAD specialist. Like just trying to get your name out there. It's, I don't stick to one place, like especially if it's your first job, like look broad. If you already have a job and maybe you're looking to try to expand, then like, okay, like go be pickier. And I'm not saying like if it's your first job, you shouldn't be picky because like you shouldn't be accepting a full-time position for $1,300 a year. Like be realistic, but also like understand that you're not going to get that six-figure salary fresh out of college. Like you're going to work your way up to it and you have to work your way up to it, but just be patient and don't expect to be treated like the owner of the company with a bachelor's degree. I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, you know, um, and, and you've kind of had some, some influence on this direction, but you're not going to make a change day one. You need to understand how your company operates and how you're going to fit in, but you can also kind of sit there day one and start assessing where can I make an impact? What's, you know, um, you've, you've told me this a few times and, and I, I find it to be really, really true and, and helpful for anyone going out and first, you know, opportunity to get into the real world is 
find something that your company is just absolutely not good at and make yourself really freaking good at it. Oh my gosh, yes. If your company is struggling in a certain area or department or is weak at it, if you become the expert at it, one, not only do you have amazing job security, but two, you also become an asset to the team because you're helping the company grow. And it's okay if like, say like, you're like, my company has no weak points. <laughs> okay, then what's your company okay at? But for the record, every company has weak points. Oh. If you don't see it, maybe it's not in your department, but in your department or your area, find the weak points and strengthen them because at the end of the day, any company, any job, anything is only as strong as its weakest link. Exactly. And if any company denies that they have weak points and says they're running perfectly flawlessly, I'd almost tell you to, to, to leave. Because I would tell you to leave. <laughs> can improve like it can't improve is a company that I'd worry about. Yeah, no. I mean, like even the job I work at now, like we're still required every year to take a class to like learn and improve our knowledge because they don't want us to be stagnant. They want us to improve. They want us to grow. And I think that's like really, really, really important for like any job. And even if like maybe that's not a requirement for your job, if you find a class like my company uses this thing called Bluebeam. If I find a class on Bluebeam, I know I can go into my boss's office and be like, I want to take this class on Bluebeam. Mm -hmm. He'll tell me to bring him the information, bring him how much it costs. And within 24 hours, I'll be signed up for the class. And like, he loves it because I'm trying to get better at not only my job, but also the job that I'm given as well as his job, because our two jobs correspond with each other. They connect, they overlap. And it's not just improving me, but it's improving the company to make us look better and flow smoother. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I think any company, and this goes for kind of the company I work for too. It's, you know, if you present to them classes or ways that you want to better yourself, whether it's smaller licenses underneath, you know, the full architecture license or just any class that is bettering yourself as an employee for their company, they're going to pay for it. And that's what I love about the company is they're always looking for ways to invest in you and make yourself make you as an employee better so they as a company get better. And I think every company should should have that mantra or that kind of mentality. No, absolutely. Like even as just like in like not even just a company, but also as like a worker, like you 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 should always want to get better. You shouldn't just think like I'm okay. Like you should want to get better. Right. Um and that's really important for like any job because at the end of the day, like rarely is your first job the end game job? Oh, 110%. I think, you know, your first your first job should be the one that you're more than excited to get started on. But it's, and I mean, if you found that first job right off the bat that you're going to retire at, then more power to you. But nine times out of 10, people move on and people upgrade, I guess I could say, from their first job. Yeah. But speaking about jobs and also back to like job hunting, I mentioned how like I made a LinkedIn profile. I think one thing that us as millennials, like we've been really lucky and gifted with is technology and the use of the internet and social media. But one thing we have all failed to realize is the internet is forever. Anything that goes on the internet stays on the internet no matter how many times you hit delete on facebook it's gonna be there you may not see it but it's still there and we no, have to make sure I've said it better myself it's not even like we it's like you have to make sure that like your your social medias are not even like work friendly like i'll be honest like most jobs aren't gonna care if you're 19 years old and you had a beer because they understand they were kids too once but if your co if your Instagram's public and they're noticing every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you're out getting blacked out, they're gonna be concerned that you can't function in a work environment Thursday, Friday, Thursday and Friday. Right. And like that doesn't show yourself in a good light. So I actually have a very <laughs> kind of constructive story about this scenario. Uh, was, I was a junior in college. Um, when a lot of uh, things were going on in the 
Facebook world. And I got myself into a lot of Facebook fights, I guess you could say. Turned myself into a keyboard warrior a little bit. And it got to the point where uh, my college coach at the time actually had came to me and said, listen, he's like, I know you may feel strongly on this subject or that subject, but he's like, you probably should back off a little bit. And he said, and he said, because he wasn't even a friend on Facebook with me at the time, but had been told by someone else, you know, about the situation, I guess, and then was able to look me up. And he had, he was probably one of the least technical savvy people in the world. And he was able to look it up and see what I was saying and this, that, and the other thing. So if my college coach, who's like 60 and completely internet illiterate can find something on me, your job employer who has people hired to find people and their problems will definitely find it. I can't even express that enough too, because I work for a company where we do actually, before we even give you a phone interview, we do a background check and like we are a small office, but a lot of us know a lot of people and like, you don't realize how many people you know until like you're there. And even in college, I remember like if girls were applying to play for the cross team and they're from our area, it's like, what do you know about her? Um, but even like my jobs, like I've seen when I was, when I got hired, I actually found out that they had Googled me and fun fact, if your Instagram is private, before you prob made it private, it was probably public. All those pictures before your Instagram was private are public. And if I Google your Instagram tag, those photos will pop up. Same thing with Facebook, same thing with Twitter, same thing with MySpace. And I actually found out like they did Google search me and every newspaper article I was in, every like post, everything came up and they were able to find me, which I found really odd because I have a very common name. So even searching me on Facebook, you get about 1.5 million results. Mm -hmm. um, but for like my company to be able to find so many articles about me was, it was really eye-opening. Not that I had anything bad on there, but I could only imagine like the poor suckers who have stuff on there. And it actually ended up being a couple of months into it. Um, I sit right near the person who does do the Facebook and internet stalking. And he came across this one guy and he goes, this resume is flawless. Like I want him to work for us. And he just starts Googling the guy. And the first thing that came up was his MySpace page. No, not the top 10 playlist. <laughs> it wasn't even like the playlist. It was like the gifts and the, like everything that he had on the side. And it was like very like racial and everything. And dude had like everything and more than my boss could have ever wanted. But because of the things that he had posted online, even if he may have learned his lesson, it's just the internet's forever. Deal breaker. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's for, our for clients. All, for all of you that probably can't even remember how to log into your MySpace, your MySpace could ruin your job application. And I bet you for a lot of people it has, just ask the guy that's supposed to work with me. <laughs> Which is insane. Yeah, I, I can't believe like a website you made when you were uh, 12 years old oh, because God you wanted to be all. cool and pretend you were hot shit or something uh, destroyed your life. But oh, we were all hot shit at 12. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, but like even then, I even have friends that they applied to colleges to play like D1 sports. And when they were 15, 16, 17, were drinking and they had pictures of them on on Facebook and they got letters from the school saying, unfortunately we can't accept you because of what you promote on your Facebook page. And it's like all of them with beers in their hands. And it, it's, it's just funny how much like social media can destroy your life as much as we love like sharing it with people. It's hundred oh, percent. You know, we, we thrive off of social media for, for our Instagrams, our Twitters and you know, this podcast, but um, it's got a very catch 22 perspective on it. But um, all right, so so we've covered the shit storm that social media can be, and how to get into your first job. But once you're there, what do you do? Make friends. Make friends. I mean, it's really important to like actually have like a work 
relationship with your coworkers. Like it's okay to be friendly and like maybe even after work to like, get a couple of drinks because at the end of the day, like that's where you're going to be spending Monday through Friday, 90% of your day yep. is in the office. And you don't want to be sitting next to someone and being like, I don't have a single person to talk to or ask a question to or do anything like you should make friends. You should reach out and you should talk to people because those are the people that are going to show you like the ins and outs of the office, like the do's and don'ts because truth is like when you first get to a job, you really don't know what is work appropriate and what's not work appropriate to wear at, because each office and each business is different. I know for most people for job interviews, you're walking in there if you're a girl and like, a dress or maybe like a woman's suit and a blouse and heels and for guys it's usually like a full suit or maybe it's like khakis and a button down like whatever it is yeah usually khakis and a button down and i feel like unless you're you know on wall street or something where you're i don't know i've seen a lot of kids come in i won't name his name but i work with him now he came in in a full full suit now he wears jeans a hat and a t-shirt every single day to work it's pretty yeah, funny we've we've also adopted that very uh what do they call it business cash and it becomes jeans t-shirt pair of converse and a backwards hat <laughs> exactly it's just um it's about that like so do make friends also when you get to there go in and um talk to hr and find out like what your expectations are like what time should you be arriving mm -hmm. what time is it okay to leave do I have a lunch break? And if so, how long is said lunch break? Yep. Um, yeah, because I do have, a, I had a coworker where like they never told him he had a specific like lunch break time. <sighs> so often like at lunch, because we work 50 hour weeks. So most of the time it's like 10 hour days. Yep. He would leave to go to the Y, which is literally right next to my office. And he would work out for like an hour, hour and a half. But he would still hit those 50 hours because he'd either come in like a half hour or 45 minutes early and then just stay 45 minutes later. Yeah. And it I was think, fine. But you know, as, as long as your company's okay with it, I kind of, I fall into the same uh, kind of routine. You know, I get in at work at six um, and then take that hour lunch break. And I'm then sorry, you're in at work at six. What's that? I call bullshit. <laughs> you're not work at six. I'm okay. I'm up at six at work by six 30. Anywho's, you know, I'm during the summer, especially I was pretty adamant on it because I like to golf a lot. So like I'd, I'd try to get in early to be out by three 30 and, and you know, my company is okay with me making sure I have my 40 in and, and leaving a little early. So, you know, as long as your company's okay with it, that's the biggest thing, you know, check with HR, see your rules and regulations, see what you can and can't do um, right off the bat. That way you're just comfortable with, whatever schedule you can put yourself on but also so that way you don't get in trouble like the first week because that would be really really bad um but yeah, also really get hired and then piss anyone off right off the bat that's also uh on the no-do list <laughs> yep but also like since you are like very new to the job the first thing and like the utmost important thing to do because it's gonna happen it's probably already happened and you probably have it every single day is when you have a question or a concern, ask for help and reach mm -hmm. out because asking questions like, yeah, it may aggravate like the person if you ask them 15 questions in a day, but is it going to piss them off more that you fucked up something instead of asking? Right. Or that you asked a question to make sure it was done right? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. There's, there's definitely a time and a place to ask questions and it's early and often it's not even early and often you should like even if you've been there for like two years i've been at my job for a year and a half and i was in my boss's office today for 15 times asking him various questions like even if some of the questions were hey i got approval to update the fabric sample books do i have your approval to do so right and that's kind of what i meant by early and often is like when you originally feel like you have a question you should just ask it because waiting to ask it is just going to create more problems down the road. Exactly. So like making sure like, Hey, that it's okay to even just like reach out. Like it's okay to have like multiple people to ask questions with. Like maybe one person in your office is really good at one thing and another person's really good at another thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to have 15 different people to ask questions to, or even have 15 people that can all answer the same question because right. at the end of the day, like 
when you work for a company, you're all a team. You all wear the same jersey, the company name, and all they want you to do is to succeed. So asking questions, they know like, hey, like you're going to succeed. You're going to push the company further. And that's all anyone ever wants. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, everyone's working towards a common goal of making the company money so that you can all get paid and hopefully get a bonus at the end of the year. You know. <laughs> bonus or a raise. So speaking of that raise, you know, what do you feel like? I mean, we're both in it about a year, year and a half, close to it, somewhere around there. Um, how does that conversation start? You know, what do you, what do you go to in direction wise of, Hey, you know, I've really been busting my ass. I've seen, you know, or heard what other people are making around me that do the same amount of work. I've been here for so long, done my due diligence. How do you start that raise conversation? Um, so my conversation is like it happens at my job every year on the on the year. So once we enter like 2019, slowly and steadily over a three-week time, every single person is going to go into an interview and talk about the job mm-hmm. and talk about their job. And they will walk out with a raise, whether depending on how much it is, all depends on like that interview. So in that meeting, it's basically um, you talk about your skill set, like what did I do really well in the past year? that I'm really proud of and what did I do that I didn't do so well that I need to improve on on this upcoming year and your boss and your coworkers are going to have those answers and feedback for you as well as you being able to answer those questions and that's like how at least at my company work works but I think in a sense like even when I worked in like retail and I went to go ask for a raise it's hey I'm always available. I'm always open. It's it's like, what are you really good at and why do you deserve this raise? It's being able to figure out like what your strong suits are. So if you find, find out that the company is really awful about maybe scheduling and you become the expert at scheduling people, mm-hmm. you're able to like go into your boss's office and be like, whether it's four months in or six months in or a year in and say, hey, when I came into this company, like we were awful at scheduling. So within a month and a half I, of me being here, I took over scheduling. And in that month and a half period, I was able to master it. We haven't had anyone double booked. We've been able to cover all of our calls in a timely matter. We've even had guys like back here in a certain hour and we've been able to take an extra in calls and it's been going a lot for, smoother. Mm-hmm. I think because of this, maybe I should get like a two or 3% raise or however much like you're requesting. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest the biggest thing is being aware of what you do actually accomplish for the company and understanding the value that may or may not provide based on how often you do it or how often you see yourself in the position of truly coming in clutch pretty much. Yeah, and it's like and it's okay to like even say like, "Hey, I know I'm doing this really well and I know I need to work on this, but I've been doing A really well and B a little bit better." But, and I could improve on like C, but I, like, I still would like a raise. Like if, if honestly, if you've been stagnant your entire job, like you show up every day at the same time, you leave every day at the same time, you don't go above and beyond, you do the bare minimum, no employee, employer is going to willingly give you a raise. If they give you a raise, it might be because they have to, but you should be aware that like, as like an employee, you have the right to ask for a raise. But give them a good reason to like say yes. Like if you're come if like you're going above and beyond and you go to your employer and say, like, I want a three percent raise or a two or a one or a five or a ten, whatever it may be, and your company says no, and you consecutively ask like them why, then like you need to figure out like if A, like your skill set is suited there or if you need to jump jobs. Right. And I think I think the also like the big thing is too, if you're consecutively asking they need to provide you with a reason why they just, uh, a company just can't consistently tell you, um, you know, we're not in a good place. We're not in a good place because if you're constantly breaking your bones to, to make things happen and actually putting in the effort, then you actually do deserve a raise. Yeah. And I mean, like some companies might be able to say like, Hey, like, listen, like, 
I do agree. You do deserve a raise, but like we do raises in June and it's say May. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, June 1st, June 2nd. Hey, it's June. When can we talk about that raise? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and our company works the same way that you've described, you know, we have, uh, kind of annual meetings, um, to discuss that kind of thing. So, um, there's always opportunity, I think in every company, as far as I understand from other friends and colleagues that there's opportunity in every company to have that discussion yearly, um, which I think is a pretty common practice company wide throughout the nation, as far as I understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but it's, uh, races you know, are a part of the work world. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you should never feel bad for asking for a raise. Um, it should always be something that you actually should have a little pride in, you know, that to kind of say, man, I, I feel great at what I'm providing this company. I want to be compensated for it. Yeah. I, I want to be, I want to be given my, my due diligence kind of deal for, for the work that I'm putting in. So it's uh, it's never a conversation that you should scare away from or think that like, you know, it's not worth having because it's um, I think it's a great conversation to have. It just means that you're truly busting your butt and, you know, you're actually working hard. Oh, absolutely. And now that like we've both been in the real world, like what do you think about some advice that you wish that you had gotten or like would give like yourself when you were applying to jobs? Advice that I was given when I was first applying for jobs? Your advice like you were given or advice that you would give yourself, like if you can go back in time and tell like baby Dalton, like, hey, here's some advice like when you're applying to a job Apply. or maybe some like really good advice that you got, like whatever it may be. Some yeah, advice no, you could I, I, um I think I would apply more often and to more jobs. I, Why so? What's that? Why so? Expand, man. So expand on that. Yes. I got into, once I applied for like the initial like 10 companies, um, I'll say it straight up. I got lazy. I think, you know, I applied to 10 and only heard back from like three and then only got an interview at one and the one interview didn't work out. So it was like, um, I got into a little lull and I think the biggest thing that I saw from kids in my class that were getting jobs, uh, quicker or getting more job offers is that they were spending the time rewriting resumes, rewriting application applications. And they didn't apply to just 10 or 15. They applied to like 30, 35, 40. And I just, I think I undersold myself for opportunity and I think I can't preach enough. Like looking back on it, you know, apply everywhere and anywhere that you think you may have an inspiration to work at because even if you think you're underqualified or like apply. Oh, 110%. I kind of talked myself out of a lot of job applications because I was like, well, you know, I went here and to, you know, and this and that, like I made excuses, hands down. I made excuses. Um, but just, you can't do that. Take the shot, take the long shot because there's a employers out there that also want to take the long shot and you can't take yourself out of the running. You have to at least put yourself out there for the craziest jobs in the world. Like, I mean, if you want to work for Elon Musk and you went to a small community college, fucking apply for, you know, Tesla, for, uh, SpaceX, just apply. You're not going to know unless you put yourself out there. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like what I say, like when we coach lacrosse, like me and my head coach, we always say like, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because the truth is everything you want is outside of your comfort zone. And if you're getting too comfortable, then I'd say like you're kind of in the danger zone because you're missing out on something that could happen. That's going to be really great for you. Yeah. I think, I think that's huge. What you just said there, like getting yourself uncomfortable and putting yourself in uncomfortable situations is actually a way to make yourself grow. The more you make yourself uncomfortable, 
to the fact of like in the in a business sense, not like you know uncomfortable as in oh this doesn't feel right or like you know I'm I'm in an uncomfortable situation, but uncomfortable as in you know am I shooting too big or am I in a place that I've never been before? you know, in the, in a professional sense, I think is a great way to push yourself. And I think people should make themselves uncomfortable more often when it comes to business and professional world, because it's the only way you're going to make yourself grow. Exactly. And like in the professional world, like you have to grow every single day and adjust to new things. So like, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Like you're going to soon find like, there's a difference between being uncomfortable and like knowing like this is wrong. It's like, Learn the difference. Right. Like, do get uncomfortable with like being uncomfortable, whether it's knowing like, hey, I get really uncomfortable with doing meetings by yourself, but eventually you're going to have to. So start off, whether it's going to the person you're doing co-meetings with and saying, hey, do you mind if I take the lead on this? Like, it's okay to like come out of your comfort zone because that's really where you shine. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And, and I mean, um, what about you? You know, what, what are some things that you look back on in your experience and you say, maybe I had great, you know, um, great advice that, that helped me push me through, or, you know, what is one thing you regret maybe even? Um, I don't think I really regret anything about applying to jobs. I think like I, I did really well. I went to, like I was working a part-time job and when I did apply to jobs, like I made sure Every single day after my part-time job, I apply to three to six jobs a day. And I tried to be really selective on like a job that I knew that one would challenge me and two would like I'd also fit in. But like one thing I think I would definitely tell myself is you're gonna think you're, you're you have too much responsibility and that's okay, but learn to use it wisely. Because at the end of the day, like when you become an adult and you work in the real world, like you do have responsibilities and it may seem awkward because you're fresh from college and your responsibility was just like turning in a piece of paper, uh, paper on time. And now like you're in charge of a whole project, making sure it's handed into the client on time, making sure like the client payments and on time, making sure 372 details are right. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it's, it's knowing that like you're going to have these responsibilities and just take them with stride and don't think like you're underqualified. Like they would not have hired you if they didn't think so. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, people in a, in a professional setting that own businesses and own companies that are doing the hiring aren't just hiring you because they're like putting themselves out on the limb. I mean, they are, but they saw something in you. Every company has a very long and, you know, drawn out process to, to hire someone because they want to pick the best candidate that's going to help their company. So they saw something in you that they believe is going to make their company better. So believe in yourself because they believed in you. Have confidence to like speak your pride. Like, you know, your strengths better than anyone else. Make sure you highlight those. And it's even okay to say your weaknesses because everyone has weaknesses and a company likes to know like, Hey, you're, you're being honest about who you are. Yeah express it open it with wide arms like the truth is at the end of the day almost every single person is going to be in the same boat whether they're in it right now fresh out of college or they're going to go into it the very few people who have like family businesses which like even then like they have a lot more to prove than people think they do like every single person is going to go into the job world and these are like things and issues that do pop up and we're happy to help so as you guys know, we have Twitter and Instagram. So if you have any questions or comments or even some feedback on us this episode, or maybe we touched on a topic and you want to know a little bit more on our opinions or some feedback, or maybe we didn't touch on a topic that you would really want us to like give an input for you. Like, feel free to reach out to us. We're always available, always looking to interact with you guys. Um, like I said, our Instagram and our Twitter pages, and even on Facebook, like we would love to hear from you guys. Yeah, so our uh, our Instagram is at not so classified millennial, and our Twitter is at millennial underscore guide. So hit us up, guys. We really want to engage with you guys and have a productive conversation that hopefully uh, helps you guys out in the professional world. So you know, I think to leave us on one last thing here before we wrap up, um, 
it's just kind of advice I have for everyone. And this, this applies to um, professional life and just life in general. I think it's a great way to be able to handle yourself. But um, when showing up to work, when, when someone tells you to show up to work at eight o'clock, don't be getting out of your car at eight o'clock and, you know, walking up to your desk. And by that time it's eight Oh five, eight, 10. Um, you know, I, I have this huge mantra that it's, and I, Katie, I think you can agree with this too. And I think it kind of goes back to our sports background of showing up to practices on time. But, you know, if it, if you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, we have a problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like even like with coaching, like right now, I always tell my girls if practice starts at four, four o'clock is you're on the turf and you're full gear ready to go. You're not walking down the stairs, tying your cleats or looking for your mouth guard at four. Unless you just came from class, which I do know who those people are. And I know like very specifically what class they're coming from and when they're going to be there. But if you're someone that I know, like, you've literally been sitting around for two hours. There is no excuse for you to be late. Nope, not at all. And, you know, that kind of just goes back to um, holding yourself in a little bit of a professional manner and um, growing up a little bit and kind of understanding the the responsibility you have as a uh, employee of, of whatever company you end up working for. Yeah, it's, it's showing like that you're on time and that you're ready to work and that you're excited, like really goes a lot like, don't get us wrong. Like there are times where we are late and we have talked about it plenty. Like there are times where we oversleep, oversleep and our alarm goes off late and maybe we're 20, 30 minutes late, but we're going to stay 20, 30 minutes after everyone else to make sure like we made up the work because we want to show like, Hey, we are dedicated. We know we fucked up, but we're going to make it up. We're not going to say, Oh, well, sucks to suck. We're, we're going to put yeah. in the work because we do care about our jobs. I think the biggest thing comes down to is just overall honesty. You know, if you do end up being late or uh, having an issue or um, just just be honest with yourself and the time clock in your company and uh, put in the time that is needed to get shit done and never shortchange the company because in the end, it's shortchanging yourself um, professionally. No, I, I totally agree. And like, just remember, like you're given a certain set of skills. So like we always say, just make the best with what you got. That's it, guys. So uh, this is your not-so-classified Millennium Survivor Guide. Hit us up, talk to us, engage. We want to talk to you guys. Till next time, guys. Talk to you then. Peace.